Uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast on this Friday. I am Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, you ready for the weekend? Oh, man, I'm ready for the weekend. I, I've got so much golf to play over the next 10 days. It's almost sick. I've got a tournament next weekend, so I'm just basically going to the golf course for a couple hours every day to get ready and uh, looking forward to all of it. So glad the weekend's almost here. Grinding. Embrace the grind. Got to. Got to. It's yeah. Not- yeah, 90, 95, 95 is not hot. Not till it gets triple digits. Yeah, it's almost member guest season. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to play much golf because my club shut down, unfortunately. So a lot of that going around. I'll mostly be at the uh, driving range just trying to make sure I don't forget how to play the sport of golf. But it is the, um, unfortunately, Colby, the Thunder did not get the number one overall pick. Yeah. Cade Cunningham is heading to Detroit. Nope. Um, look, there weren't a lot of great options with all the franchises we talked about on the last show, but just what were your thoughts on Detroit getting the number one pick and uh, just kind of how the lottery shook out? Yeah, so so mm. my thought is I really believe the way Presti has talked over the past several months, the way the Thunder have absolutely loaded up on assets, I have firmly believed throughout this entire process that Cade Cunningham would be drafted by the Oklahoma City Thunder at number one. The lottery on Tuesday night, to me, was essentially a uh, an exercise to see just how much the Thunder were going to have to get up, give up to get to one. And the Thunder are going to have to give up a lot to get to one because they got number six, which was hugely disappointing. I was standing up in my living room as he's announced them. And I'm telling my wife, I'm like, don't be Oklahoma City. Don't be Oklahoma City. Don't be Oklahoma City. And just over and over again, I was saying, and then they popped up at number six. And I'm like, okay, that's the second worst spot they could have ended up. The worst would have been uh, seven because if they'd gotten eight, they also would have gotten five, which was Houston's pick. But I firmly believe, Carson, that Cade Cunningham will be drafted by the Thunder at number one. I firmly believe it. Nothing you can say to convince me otherwise. I think Sam Presti is fully prepared to give up a ton of these assets that he has accrued and hitch his wagon to Cade Cunningham. I think he's willing to stake his career as general manager of the Thunder on Cade Cunningham. I could be totally wrong, but all these things that he's been saying, he's like, we draft people, not players. We want people who embody what it means to be part of the Thunder organization. And that he's talking about Cade Cunningham. He is talking about Cade Cunningham. Troy Weaver is in Detroit. Him and Sam Presti know each other pretty well. Uh, so I think that they'll be able to get something done. The question is what the price is. I mean, probably 6, 16, 18, uh, Poku, Baisley, one of your first, one of the Clippers first, one of Houston's first. I don't know what the price will be. Here's what's going to happen. If this trade does happen, everyone's going to freak out about how many picks the Thunder have to get up to give up. But the Thunder over the next seven years have 17 first-round picks. Over the next seven years, the Thunder have 21 second-round picks. If they give up 10 picks, a combination of first and seconds, if they give up 10 picks for Kate Cunningham, who cares? You can't draft 38 picks in seven years. You can't put that many people on the floor. This is the draft. This is why Presty's been doing what Presty's been doing. It's because Presty is in love with Cade Cunningham as much as we're all in love with Cade Cunningham. So, yes, Detroit is at number one for now. No, I don't think Detroit picks at number one. No, I don't think Oklahoma City picks at number six. I, I'm telling you, I'm convinced, Carson, maybe it's just me wanting it to be that way, but I genuinely believe that the reason Sam Presti has been acquiring all these assets is so that he can hitch his wagon to Cade Cunningham. 
Well, you're more optimistic than I am. I don't necessarily know that Rusty likes Kate Cunningham as much as you and I do. How do we, how do we know that? I, to me, it's just the way that he's been talking. I, I don't know. I just, I watch these press conferences talking about people over players. That's a big deal to me because I, I truly think Presty believes mm. that. And I think that he thinks that Cade embodies that. Also, I think that he loves the idea of 6'8 Cade joining Shea and Dort on the perimeter and basically just establishing perimeter length. We know Presty loves length. Cade's 6'8 with, I think, a 7'2 wingspan, which just allows you another long defender. Now, you still got to have somebody inside, but, I mean, there's – you know, medium talented seven footers all over the place in the NBA that are journeymen. You can throw somebody underneath. It's not like they're going to win a title year one. You'll still have to put more pieces together. But what are the Thunder going to do with 38 first round picks if not trade them for a guy they love? And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's not in love with Cade Cunningham, but I think he is based on how he's been talking over the past couple of months. And I still think that he plans on going and getting him. So we'll see if I'm right or not. I really hope I am because. I don't know. The idea of uh, Cade Cunningham pairing up with Sadiq Bay in Detroit just doesn't do a lot for me. No, and here's a reason to be optimistic. Detroit did select a point guard last year in Killian Hayes with the number seven overall pick. And it didn't take Troy Weaver, the GM of the Pistons, who used to be with Sam Presti for the past 12 years, didn't take him long to basically make it known or there's reports out there that he's willing to trade the pick. And my first instinct is always to say, well, you know, you can usually trade up to get the third or the second pick, maybe, but you can't get the first pick. Well, it, I, I totally forget that it happened in 2017. You know, the Celtics traded down. They were able to get Jason Tatum at the number three spot. And, you know, the, the Sixers moved up to, to get Markel Fultz. So it's not unheard of. And they just drafted Killian Hayes. They just drafted a point guard. I, I, I do wonder if, they want to draft a point guard in back-to-back drafts. So the Pistons, it seems like, at least in the early going, would be willing to move down. Now, could the Thunder move all the way to one? It's definitely going to take a lot of draft capital because you, you got to think Houston and Cleveland and all the other teams ahead of them would be willing to try to get Kate Cunningham as well. And the word is that Detroit likes this Jalen Green kid. Uh, a lot of a lot of the Cleveland Cavaliers like him as well. I like him a lot. He's one of the guys that I, I really like in this draft. So it's not – it's already just a few days after the lottery was drawn. It's already becoming a possibility because Cleveland is rumored to wanting to trade their pick for more proven players because they're tired of being in the lottery. They want to win games. And this, they could definitely trade for Kimball Walker. You could You could send Kevin Love to Oklahoma City, which is the salaries are pretty close. I think they match up. And you get a much better player in Kimball Walker to go help you win games in the East, and the Thunder would most likely get their pick in the top three. So there, there's a lot of scenarios that, that can unfold. And you're right, Colby. I mean, 17 first-round picks over the next seven drafts, they're not using all those. They're going to they're gonna use those picks to trade up the next two, three, four, five years. That's how many picks they have at their disposal. So I, I love your optimism. I love the thought of going up to get Cade Cunningham. I just, I, I don't know how much Sam is willing to give up in order to do so because, you know, you could also entice Houston with their picks they already own. Say, hey, you want your picks back? Let's move up to number two. I just, with how big of a dumpster fire Houston is, I don't know if Sam wants to give up those those picks either because those are way further down the line too to where Houston can can still, you know, be the Rockets and, and mess up their future as well. So 
there's a lot to like Colby. It, it was a disappointing night. I actually predicted on the sports animal. I went on their pre-draft or uh, pre-lottery show and they said, what do you, they go, this is a dumb question, but what pick do you think the Thunder are going to get? And I said, probably six. Cause, <laughs> Cause it'd be just outside the top five. I'm just, maybe I'm just a pessimist by nature, but that's one uh, prediction I, I, I wish I was wrong about. Yeah. I just, I firmly believe that Sam Presti always has a plan. He's always playing the long game. And, and to me, the plan clearly is to accrue all these assets. So if there's a guy that you love, you can go get him no matter what the cost. A, a team like Houston, a team like Cleveland, they don't have the ability with capital to trade up to number one. They just don't. The Thunder could trade up to number one, give away a historic amount of picks, and still have a bunch of picks. And it's just the capital that they've accrued is incredible. Also, one reason that I think Detroit would be willing to do it, getting one player the caliber of Cade Cunningham, it'd be good for Detroit. But it doesn't all of a sudden make Detroit some sort of great franchise or, or, or turn their franchise around. One guy is still going to have Detroit be Detroit. He's just going to be a great player on a bad team. But if you give Detroit three picks in this draft, a couple young guys, Poku and Baisley are the two that I threw out there just for sake of argument, and then you throw them uh, three more future firsts, you know what you give Detroit? You give them hope. You dangle hope in front of them that hopefully instead of having this one really good player, maybe if they hit on these picks, they could end up with four really good players or five really good players. And you just dangle hope in front of a young general manager named Troy Weaver. You just dangle that hope out there in front of him and you hope he bites. And if he does, you wind up with Cade Cunningham. You can pair him up with Jay Gilgis, Alexander uh, and Logan Stort. And then all of a sudden you've got a really, really strong backcourt in the NBA I just I, I think it makes too much sense for both sides Detroit needs more than just one guy and Oklahoma City really needs this one talented guy because Oklahoma City's not Philly Oklahoma City's not going to be able to uh, to try to lose 60 games for eight years in a row and hope that people stick around and it's still a successful franchise Oklahoma City had its year to lose games on purpose that, that ain't going to be happening next year. When there's fans in the building, the whole trying to lose 22 in a row thing, that's not happening next year. So why don't we accelerate the rebuild a little bit, get rid of a whole bunch of these assets that you're not going to see any return on for three, four, five years if you ever see return on them, and go up and get the guy you want. The only question is, does Sam love Cade as much as I think he does? I think he does, but I guess we'll know within the next uh, five weeks or so. The draft's on July 29th, so we'll know between now and then. Yep, we sure will. And the Thunder can't make the playoffs next year, or they absolutely shouldn't, because if they do, they won't get to keep their first-round pick. So right. if they're in the playoff race next year, you can guarantee they're going to tank like they did at the end of this season, uh, this? next season as well. How about this? Trade that pick to Detroit and then make the playoffs so Detroit doesn't get it. I like that. Now, <laughs> the problem here is Troy Weaver knows Sam Presti's tricks. He was his right-hand man for, again, the, the entire time they were in Oklahoma City. So he, he knows how Sam can fleece other teams. I don't know if he can fleece the Pistons the way that he has other teams. Although, going back to that Serge Ibaka trade with Orlando, the, the GM at the time was Rob Hennigan, who was Sam's right-hand man, and he fleeced Rob Hennigan. So maybe, maybe he has some Jedi mind tricks over his former employees that are GMs because he, he's going to need it. Now, when it came down to the top three, Colby, and I saw Cleveland, Houston, Detroit – I actually, this might sound crazy because Detroit's been a basketball wasteland since Ben Wallace was there or since he left. 
I kind of wanted him to go to Detroit because of Troy Weaver, who I believe in. I think he's going to be a good GM and, and, and run a good franchise there. I didn't want him to go play for crazy for Tita and the Rockets, that crazy owner and all the instability they have. I know that's probably where Cade was wanting to go once the top three was established, but I damn sure didn't want him to go to Cleveland because Cleveland's been a wasteland other than having LeBron James on their team. So I was actually somewhat, I know a lot of people were disappointed it was Detroit, but given those three, I, I was kind of pulling for Detroit. Yeah. I, so first off, when they went to commercial break, and we had the top four teams up there. Toronto was in the top four. And I'm like, man, that would be such a better franchise for him to go to than anybody else up there. It, it would give the Thunder a lot less chance of trading for him. But it would be the best franchise for Cade. And then the other three were just, I, I mean, not great. He, I, I really didn't want him to go to Houston. And, I, you know, he is from Texas. So I think that there is a certain part of him who would have liked to have played in his home state. But Houston has one of the worst fan bases in the entire NBA, even when they were good. I mean, that stadium wouldn't fill up with fans. That arena wouldn't fill up with fans until the midway point of the second quarter. I know traffic's bad in Houston, but we're not trying to get 200,000 people to the arena. We're trying to get 15,000 <laughs> people to show up by seven o'clock and we can't do it. I know traffic's bad, but traffic's bad in big cities all over the NBA. And Houston seems to be the only one who consistently struggles to get fans in the building of the big markets when they are good, which the Rockets were very good when James Harden and Chris Paul were there. They had a chance to win an NBA championship if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt. So that fan base is terrible. Dan Gilbert is terrible. He's an absolute clown. He made a complete jackass out of himself dealing with all <laughs> the LeBron stuff for years. Don't want him to go play for Dan Gilbert. So Carson, I got to be honest, process of elimination. I mean, no, Detroit's not great, but I mean, Detroit's not Cleveland. They're not Houston. They've got the bad boys. They've got Rip Hamilton, Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace. I mean, they, oh. they, they've got some history. They've, they've proven that uh, they can be good at times. The, the fan base obviously is incredibly famous for their interaction with one metal world piece. But other than that, I think they've got a pretty good fan base. So process of elimination, it was probably the best of the three. Malice at the palace. That was Detroit, wasn't it? Yes. yes you know, I was in college in Stillwater when that happened, we were all, me and my friends were fixing to go out to the bars or whatever. And that occurred. And on ESPN, they just showed it over and over every different replay you could think of the, the, the Jermaine O'Neal sliding KO punch of the dude looked like Turtle from Entourage. Which is, we didn't go out. We stayed in and watched that all night and just drank beer and watched the, all the replay of the fights. That was, a, that was a fun college memory now that we're talking about the Malice from the Palace. But that's very well. That, well go ahead. Like Turtle from the Entourage. That's hilarious. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you, if you YouTube that fight, there's this guy who looks exactly like Turtle from Entourage who like throws a punch at like our test and our test bows up to him. And Jermaine O'Neal just comes out of the side view and like slips on beer and throws a haymaker as he's slipping and like knocks the dude out. It was, it's insane. So I would encourage everyone to watch that if they could, but you make such great points. I've covered those playoff games in Houston. It was astonishing at how late arriving the crowd was. I mean, Travis Scott, the rapper was there pregame trying to like fire up, a empty building like literally it's like two minutes for tip off and he's like running around the stands rapping and no one's there and no one like is making any noise at all it was one of the more bizarre scenes i can ever remember at an nba game so yeah and how crazy is this colby detroit just keeps taking oklahoma stars from us 
Barry Sanders, Steve Owens, Billy Sims, Brandon Pettigrew, Ryan Broyles. I mean, Detroit owes Oklahoma luxury taxes for taking all of our superstars, and now Cade Cunningham's the latest one. I hate it. I hate it. Detroit's franchises are, for the most part, especially in recent history, I mean, the Lions in forever history, but the Pistons in recent history, they're horrible, 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 and that's always where these Oklahoma guys wind up. I mean, we've had a few get out and not wind up there, but it's like this pipeline from Oklahoma City to Detroit. I don't know what this magnetism is between the two cities, but it's uh, it's rough, man, especially on the football side. The Lions are just such a joke, and they've been a joke for so long. I mean, like I said, at least the Pistons have Rip Hamilton, Sheed, Ben Wallace, Chauncey Billups. I mean, that team beat the Lakers. At least they've got the bad boys. Jordan could never get past the bad boys. Lions ain't got nothing except a bunch of Oklahoma guys who wanted to get out of there. Even Blake Griffin went to the Pistons and was like, you know what? I don't need that money. I just want to play basketball anywhere other than Detroit. I don't need that money. You keep it. I'm going to go somewhere else just to not play basketball in Detroit. So hopefully my theory is right. And hopefully on July 29th, the Pistons are not the one who say Cade Cunningham's name. That'd be nice. Uh, I'm with you. I think he probably wanted Toronto as well. He'd go hang out with Drake up in Toronto. That would have been a lot of fun. I'm just really glad he's not a member of the Orlando Magic. That was uh, one of my nightmare, just horrid scenarios. I mean, talk about a, a lack of a fan base. Nobody cares about the Magic, and they've been to the NBA Finals in recent memory. So there weren't a lot of great options other than the Thunder uh, for obvious reasons, but disappointing lottery, and hopefully Presti can make a deal and, and move on up the, the draft. Uh, we have some Olympic news. Victor Hovland, Alex Noren. And A.D. French are all going to the Olympics. A.D. French, the former goalkeeper from Oklahoma State. She plays soccer for the women's national team. Victor Hovland going to represent Norway. And Alex Noren going to represent uh, Sweden. So we got some uh, Olympians to watch this summer from Oklahoma State. I got a question for you, Carson. I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah. There's, one, there's one hole left. We're standing on 18T. And Victor Hovland is tied for the lead with Colin Morikawa, who is an American. Tied for the lead on 18. One guy makes birdie, one guy makes par. Who are you rooting for? Since it's an individual thing, I'm going Victor. I, same. I'm rooting for Victor. The U.S. Now, is going to have so many medal, medals. Rooting for the Victor. Medal count, the medal count and all that's fine, but I'm way more invested personally in Victor Hovland than I am Colin Morikawa. And golf's an individual sport, so – I I'll, go with, I'll go with Victor, even though that's like betraying my, our country. Speaking of, speaking of, one of the rare times I've gotten in trouble for something I've said on the air was when the summer Kevin Durant left and went to the Warriors. Brian, Brian Keating and I are on Crashing the Boards, and we debated if we would be rooting against Team USA because Kevin was on it. <laughs> <laughs> and we got so much hate mail. We got called Benedict Arnold and – uh, we, we, we got a little bit of trouble with our, our bosses, but I said, I would root against, I would root against the United States because of Kevin Clay Thompson was on that team. Steph Curry, they, they wooed Kevin. They, they stole Kevin from us. Andre Godala as well. They uh, convinced him to ride their coattails. So we, that reminds me of that debate we had not that long ago. <laughs> By the way, I saw the other day, it's like right after the Nets got eliminated, it came out that KD was going to play on the Olympic team. And I'm like, of course, Katie's going to play on the Olympic team. You think he's going to miss a chance to play basketball for two weeks on a, on a, a, a loaded team where nobody else has a chance to beat him? That's Kevin <laughs> Durant's dream. 
I don't think he should be doing that with his Achilles, but that's just me, especially he's playing 48 minutes a night. Yeah, I don't either. But, I mean, he's he's a great player, and they'll get an easy ring. So, I have seen uh, – is Jeremy Grant going to make the team? I saw that the other day, too. Random fun fact of the day. Jeremy Grant. He might. It just depends on who's in, who's out, who opts in, who opts out. I think Chris Paul uh, opted out as well. So, he might. I mean, Jeremy Grant had a decent year with Detroit. He's a good player. He got paid. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be one guy for Cade to pass the ball to. Cade's new teammate, most likely. So, yeah. Uh, Cole, you and I didn't get into the Supreme Court ruling that came down this week. Uh, I don't know how much, how deep we want to get into it, but the Supreme Court ruled nine and nine to zero in favor of uh, college athletes in terms of a lot of it. It's a convoluted subject, but a lot of it has to do with the educational funding, uh, things like laptops and and things of that nature, and to me, Colby, it just kind of – obviously, it's great for the student-athlete. I that's That goes without saying. And uh, I just wonder how much of the, quote-unquote, arms race is going to be involved in this, how much gray area is going to be involved in this. Like, let's say Alabama can get you the brand-new MacBook Pro, but, you know, West Virginia can only get you the, the laptop brand X that's not as nice. I mean, I, I don't know. To me – it's good for the athlete. I just wonder how they're going to police all this. It's all getting more and more convoluted as each ruling comes down. Oh, it definitely is. And I mean, essentially it was just saying that the NCAA can't deny universities the ability to give out educational related items to its students. So the NCAA can still determine what is and is not an educational item. They just can't prevent the schools from giving educational related items to the students. Here's my question, Carson. Uh, a Lamborghini that gets you from your dorm to class. Yeah, I mean, you got to get to class somehow. Does a Lamborghini get you from your dorm to class? I mean, the NCAA is going to say no, obviously. I'm just, I'm trying to make the point that it is a slippery slope. I am very pro-athlete. Uh, Justice Kavanaugh's opinion was essentially uh, what he wrote. You can go read the full thing if you want to, but I'm going to paraphrase it real quick, was uh, that the business model that the NCAA uses would be illegal in pretty much Anywhere else in America, just about anywhere else in America, it's illegal to operate the way the NCAA operates. Now, where does this go moving forward? I don't know, but Carson, a decade from now, we're going to be having a very different conversation. This is just college sports, the system as a whole, it's it's coming to an end in, in terms of the way we've known it our entire lifetimes. I don't know what it looks like in a decade, but I think it is one of the most fascinating issues right now in our country is where we go from here with collegiate athletics because the student athletes have made it real clear. Uh, hey, uh, the, the younger generations, yeah, y'all been doing things a certain way for a long time. That doesn't mean we're going to keep letting, letting you do them that way. So it's a fascinating issue. I, I can't wait to see how it all plays out. I really can't. I'm kind of on the edge of my seat every time one of these things gets brought up. I'm like, where do we go from here? So it's kind of a mystery still at this point. Yeah, I mean, players' rights and opportunities are very much at the forefront. And I think that people are doing a good job to fight. You know, the, the age-old NCAA, the way they've done things for years is – things have changed. Like just think about how much a college football program brought in back in 1970 versus the amount of money they bring in now. It's, it's literally hundreds of millions of dollars difference. And the players are adults. They can, they can vote, they can go fight in a war. I mean, they're, they're human beings. And I just think 
the NCAA has lorded over them for so long and that in 2021, that's just, that's ceasing to be the case. And the NCAA is trying to do everything in their power to remain relevant by, by going along with the, the name, image, and likeness ruling, things of that nature, just to try to, you know, continue their, their rule. But I just think it's, for, it's slipping further and further away from them. And I just think this is another example of that. Yeah, I think so too. I, I mean, Mark Emmert and the NCAA released a statement and I, I quote tweet, I can't remember exactly uh, what I said. I can look at it real fast on my Twitter. Uh, yeah, it, it says, uh, yada, 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 consistent with our mission to support student athletes. And I, I don't know. I find that line funny. Consistent with our mission to support student athletes. That's what you've done in your career, Mark Emmert, as head of the NCAA. You've you you've made your mission to support student athletes. Tell that to Des Bryant. Yeah, tell that to Des Bryant. Tell that to all the women who uh, had to use yes. the the one rack of like four dumbbells at the NCAA Final Four. Come on, Mark Emmert. Your your mission has not been to support student athletes, and student athletes have gotten wise to the NCAA's game and. You know, we're seeing more player empowerment across every sport. It, it takes longer to trickle down into collegiate athletics because, again, we've got to protect the amateurism of it all. I mean, that's the vibe that I get when I go to Boone Pickens Stadium for a Bedlam game. I'm like, wow, what an amateur production we've got here today. Um, it's just, <laughs> I, I don't know. Every time Mark Emmert speaks, I, I feel like I get dumber. I, I don't know what point I was trying to make there, but every time Mark Emmert speaks, I feel like I get dumber for having listened to it. And he gets paid a base salary of $2.7 million to have those, Good for him. those awesome sound bites that he has. So Good for him. I did think this was a funny article on uh, Pistol's firing blog. Let's see here. I think I have it pulled up. Yeah, Kyle Boone <laughs> kind of wrote, you know, endorsement matches we want to see in the new name, image, and likeness era. He wants uh, Spencer Sanders to endorse Bass Pro Shops. Apparently, he's a, he loves fishing, and Mike Gundy said he's really good at it. So, and I think, I think Spencer's been known to rock the, the Bass Pro Shop hat every now and then. That'd be a good kind of local sponsorship for him. He also lists uh, Josh Sills, the offensive lineman with Butch hair wax, because, you know, he's got those luscious uh, mullet locks that uh, Mike Gundy's jealous of. Uh, there's some several other ones here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Brennan Presley for Cheez-Its, since he was the MVP of the Cheez-Its Bowl and got doused in the Cheez-Its after the game. Uh, I love these. Trace Ford for Quick Trip. You know, it's a, that's more of a quick trips, more of a Tulsa thing. Those Tulsa people are psycho about their quick trips. Trace Ford's an Edmund guy like myself. So he, he's probably more of an on cue guy than a quick trip based on uh, location. Yeah. How about this? Trey Sterling for Huggies. Congratulations to Trey Sterling who announced on Twitter yesterday, the day before uh, that they're expecting. So he's going to have a baby oh, nice. in February after the season's over, he'll be doing draft works out workouts and stuff. So Trey Sterling for Huggies. That's mine. That's a great one. Uh, yeah. I was just reading Kyle Boone's. I guess I could come up with others. Uh, let's see here. What about what about Mike Boynton? Who would, he, could oh. endorse, he could endorse just about anything. I would think. Uh, I think would think Jordan Brand. He'd be a good endorser then because he's always wearing those awesome like OSU colorway Jordans. Yep. I actually, when I ran into him in Stillwater, I actually asked him. I've always wondered this because you know Markel Brown used to wear like the most unbelievable Jordans. He had an unbelievable Jordan collection. I just wondered if being a Nike school gave them an in with Jordan to where they can get their hands on those things easier. And Mike Boynton was like, no, <laughs> I don't get any special treatment. He had basically just had to order the, the colorways just like anyone else does in terms of getting the uh, OSU colors on them. So maybe, maybe Jordan brand. 
I've got a good one. How about the uh, the girl who dances behind Kenny Gajewski during the interviews? She can be sponsored by TikTok. Oh, I love that. Yeah, she's great. Oh, what's she's her, hilarious. What's her name? Do we know her name? I don't know. Sure. Somebody tweet us her name. I wish yeah, I knew it. Somebody tweet awesome. us her name. Maybe she's love, Tweet us your name. She was shotgunning water bottles as well. That was fantastic. Uh, she's been doing that for a couple of years now, and that's always yeah. a highlight of uh, the regionals and <clears throat> and the Women's College World Series. So, uh, You got anything else before we get out of here, Colby? Taylor Gooch, 64 today. Speaking of Cowboys who are expecting babies, uh, his is not doing February. His is doing about two or three weeks. And he went out and fired a nice little 64 today. He had the low round of the day for a while. Kramer Hickok took it from him with a 63. Uh, but Taylor Gooch, who I like this week, I've got him in DraftKings. Seems like it's a course that would suit him well. 64 today, it would be an unbelievable story for him to win his first PGA Tour event, get that huge breakthrough, and then come home for a break to have his baby. It would be an unbelievable couple weeks for Taylor Gooch. So go Pokes, rooting heavy, heavy, heavy for him this week in Connecticut. That would be incredible. He's a great dude, and uh, that would be awesome to bring home a big check for the for the baby. That'd be nice. So we'll be watching that this weekend. Colby, have a good weekend. We will get back with you next week. Great stuff. Go Pokes. <laughs>